You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. And on today's show, we're going to break down some salary cap talk. Um, We're also going to hit on Jordan Love and maybe what his market value might be. Um, We're going to talk about top safeties in free agency, top tight ends in free agency. Then we're going to wrap up with a little bit of O-line talk. Um, from Mike Wall. You guys know we had him on the podcast here recently, and we broke down a lot of good stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, the pod that I did, I believe it was yesterday, where I broke down the top 20, the, the first 20 plays of the San Francisco 49ers offensive play calling against the Seattle Seahawks here in the playoffs. Um, there was one play that I mentioned specifically that, uh, you know, uh, it's funny, Mike Wall uh, actually tweeted the, uh, not the all 22, but the the box cam of that play. And you can you can see it plain as day. I went ahead and retweeted that, so you guys could check that out on Twitter and see exactly what I was talking about um, with uh, with George Kittle throwing the block, as well as Uzcheck being flexed out, cracking back inside. How San Francisco played with the hat count, um, everything was fluid, everything was aggressive, but it was also under control. And that's exactly what Mike Wall talked about about reaching confrontation. I'm going to replay that soundbot, guys. Hopefully, what we're doing on this podcast. We're hitting things from all different angles, right? We're, we're coming from a contractual standpoint. Hey, here's how the salary cap actually works. Here's uh, here's how the cash over cap works. Here is how the Packers shaved off fifty million in cap last year, <laughs> right? And and got under the cap, <clears throat> and how they're going to continue to do it moving forward. So we're going to talk about the 2024 cap and kind of where it stands and hit on some important things there. So let's just get right into it. And first of all, the reason you're hearing my voice on Monday, uh, Ryan had some stuff to take care of, so there was no pod there. Um, so we reached out to each other, and it's like, yeah, man, go ahead and do a pod. So we're just going to put some content out there for you guys, and hopefully this helps. Um, I know doing the research, it definitely helped me. 
and it kind of broadened my perspective on, okay, here's what the actual situation is and how the Packers may move forward. And I try to keep my opinions out of it based on here's how I would handle the situation, but it's it's almost impossible to do that. You know, the, the goal is to bring you guys the real scenario and then what might happen, right? But as a, as a fan, you know, I get excited just like anyone else, and it's like, man – um, here, man, it would be cool if they did this. And, and I in, end up interjecting my, uh, my personal opinion, you know, so I, I really wanted to stay away from that at times, but boy, it's gotten away from me this year. But, um, yeah, you know, as I found out when I logged on to Twitter, uh, this morning, <clears throat> got a couple of, uh, a couple of nice tweets from the, the people that hate Rogers. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it was interesting. Um, one, uh, now I'm a, uh, a pole rider evidently. So that's good to know. <laughs> but anyway, man, I'm just going to keep mentioning them on the air because I think it's hilarious. I, it, You know, the reason I do that is because, you know, you hear people who want Rodgers gone are constantly talking about, man, the Rodgers lovers are rabid, and they, I'm sure they are, right? Um, but it's also on the other side as well. So uh, that's why I think if you don't point these things out, we can't get better as a fan base. It's uh, – you know, I've said it all along, man. People, people who talk up Jordan Love, I'm like, man, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I haven't seen enough for me to go, yep, he's the one. Um, I'm kind of trending in that direction, you know, just based on how the front office is responding, and uh, it kind of feels like that. But we're gonna know here in May, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But let's just get right into the the salary cap talk here. And, and I, I apologize, I'm gonna try not to clear my throat too much, but man, it's just uh, <clears throat> this off season. You know, when I started last year. Yeah, I think it was right around March, February or March, and uh, I didn't have to deal with all the uh, the off season, you know, cold air and all that stuff for the most part down here in Tennessee. And it's it's tough, man. Mad respect for people who do this on a daily basis because I just cannot get uh, my voice in line to do this without it cracking. So, and I'm I, like I said before, guys, I want this show to be organic. I don't want it to be, you know, I'm I'm cutting, stopping, editing. There's nothing wrong with that if people do that, but um, I just I like to have it flow that way. You don't. I wonder what he said there. Why did he take that out? I want it to just be, you know, 100% organic. So salary cap. I've got the 2023 cap pulled up if we need to reference it real quick. But we're talking 2024. You're probably going, Clayton, it's 2023. Why are we talking 2024? We've covered 2023 pretty uh, pretty closely. We know the situation, right? You got to free up $14 million in cap room. Last couple episodes, I went through and explained to you exactly how you can do that. There's plenty of room to wiggle, you know, like Spotrack had mentioned. I think over the over the uh, over the cap mentioned as well, you've got about 40 million in simple restructures that can happen, and 70 million in maximum restructures. Meaning, 40 million is a pretty conservative number that you could free up in cap room. Okay, um, now I'm not saying you should flirt with that line of 40. You're darn sure I don't want them flirting with the 70, right? But uh, I think 20 is a very conservative number. 30 is reasonable. 40 is kind of you don't want to crack over that. So that's how you're going to get under that cap, and you're going to make some free agent offers. I think it's going to happen. I would be extremely surprised. Of course, you never say never, right? But I would be extremely surprised if this offseason the Packers don't sign free agents. You probably go, well, they got to fill the roster. Yeah, but, I mean, they got they got draft picks to do that. The roster is almost filled right now from a minimal standpoint. You got 61 people under contract. Every position is filled, and in my opinion, I feel like you need a tight end and a linebacker to fill the roster out. Now, that's not from a competitive standpoint. That's simply completing the roster. Okay, so as a GM, you start with the minimum. 
Then you move into the, okay, how do we make our team better? And then you get in the final stage of, you know, whether it's free agency and obviously heading into the draft. All right, how can we really fine tune this roster and put the best product on the field based, uh, you know, based on the, the current cap situation and, and what our plans are in the future and who's on the roster that we believe in. We see the upside that's going to take a step this year, um, all that. So here we go. Let's get into it. 2024 Packers salary cap. As it sits right now, guys, as it sits right now, um, the Packers are 2 million, 2.5 million or 2.6 million over the cap as it sits right now. Okay. Now, obviously that doesn't include any futures contracts that you would sign to round out the roster, but that's kind of how it sits at the moment. All right. Now what's how, first of all, with the 2 million, why am I bringing this up? Every time that I mention that Jordan Love could be extended, you know, people kind of, they kind of freak out a little bit. Not everyone. It's a very minute amount of people. Um, I think a lot of people are really coming around to the fact that the salary cap, there's so much flexibility there that we have, we have definitely been worrying too much. <clears throat> Everybody said it, you know, Bill Belichick said it best. You guys worry about the salary cap more than I do. And he's the general manager of the, uh, uh, <laughs> of the new England Patriots. <laughs> like the cap can be maneuvered and in a way. Now, um, I'm going to talk about Zadarius here in a second, which is hilarious to me um, because that was the big, you know, the big elephant in the room, right? It was I can't believe we did this with Zadarius Smith. And it was horrible to, you know, how we handled that. Now, I wish it would have went better. Absolutely. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to get rid of an edge rusher, right? Um, I wish you could get compensation for him. You know, edge rushers carry, carry a lot of value across the league, especially one that graded out so high the year before he got hurt. The problem was he got hurt. And nobody's going to trade for a guy who's hurt. And um, you get to the point where, again, the salary cap is real. And this is a perfect example of what I mean when I talk about this. The salary cap is real from a, a time-sensitive standpoint, a date-sensitive standpoint, the calendar year. <clears throat> and when you got to get under on the cap, that's when it really matters the most. You just got to get under, under the cap at a certain date. When you let things drag out like you did Zadarius, like you did Devontae Adams, then you come down to the wire, and that's where things are like, whoa, the cap is real. Absolutely, it's real. But if with enough future planning and not miscalculating, you know, <clears throat> relationship status with the organization with specific players, uh, the cap can really, really be handled very easily. <clears throat> so, again, two and a half million or 2.6 million over the cap for 2024. Now, where could we free up money? Glad you asked. Let's look at it here. Um, you know, we talked about David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones uh, being some of those players that could be restructured this year to get under the cap. I see that happening. I really do. Bakhtiari has made every <clears throat> comment under the sun that he's coming back and he's ready to play, right? Um, I do not think, based at the level in which he played now that he is completely healthy, no, no surgeries are scheduled this offseason, I don't think they're going to ask him to renegotiate. There's a difference between restructure and renegotiate, okay? When you restructure a contract, you're simply taking – really, there's just three things that are important when restructuring a contract. And if you get your notes out, write this down because this is – it's not everything that matters, but it's 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 the most important aspects. There's three things, okay, when it comes to salary cap hit. You've got your cap hit that's comprised of base salary, right? That base salary is spread out over the course of the year and broken down into game checks, what they call game checks. You've got signing bonus, which is guaranteed money for signing the contract, right? And then you've got roster bonus, which roster bonus is guaranteed money 
Um, gen- and it says generally paid at the start of a league year upon making the week one roster. So if they're on the re- week one roster, um, they're guaranteed that money. It's my understanding, and I could be wrong if you guys know for sure um, that this is incorrect. Hit me up on Twitter in an email, and uh, we'll straighten it out. That roster bonus can also be paid out through the course of the year. You can set specific dates that that roster bonus hits. Not necessarily this is one check, right? This is one up upfront tra- check. So you've got those three things, base salary, signing bonus, and roster bonus. Signing bonuses can simply be spread out over the course of the contract, including tacking on what we call voidable years, meaning if a player is not on the on the roster, let's say next year, right, and you do a restructure and tack on a voidable year, then that signing bonus money can be spread out over the course at any point over the uh, course of the contract, including that voidable year where they're not even on the roster. This year, that's what happened with Zadarius Smith. Remember, the big the big thing was Zadarius. This has ruined our cap situation. We are absolutely screwed. How are the Packers going to fill the roster? Right. Well, what did we do? We signed everyone back. Tay won it out. There's nothing you can do about that. You trade Tay. Still amazes me that people um, freak out over the cap, but somehow we were going to re-sign Devontae Adams. I'm just blown away by that. But anyway. We who we re-signed, we re-signed Devondre Campbell, Russell Douglas. Um, you know, went across the board signing all these guys. We we extended Jair Alexander. Um, you know, we just extended Elton Jenkins. Man, but but Zadarius Smith is just going to ruin the cap. Well, he was a player that was not on the roster this year, right? This year being 2022, and he counted against the cap, right? Now. How much did he count against the cap? Let's see if we can pull it up here. I don't know if it's still on Spotrack. And here I am already off <laughs> the beaten path of where I was wanting to go. Um, it may not even show here. Yeah, it's not even showing on the – actually, this is 2023. That's why. I really want to pull this number up for you guys. Hopefully, it will update here because uh, sometimes Spotrack gets a little bit spotty when I'm recording live. But let's see here if we can find it because I really wanted to point this out. Dead cap. Here we go. Zadarius Smith. So he was $11.4 million against the cap last year, 2022's dead cap. You also had Billy Turner at 5.8. You had Kevin King at 3 million. You had, um, you know, uh, across the board and dead, dead cap. Those are the two big ones, though. Zadarius Smith and Billy Turner. You had 16, you had over 17 million against the cap in 2022, guys, for two players that weren't even on the roster. But somehow, some way, we were still able to offer Devontae Adams more money than the Vegas Raiders. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it, and, and what's crazy is, and I was going to get to that here in a minute, is Zadarius isn't even on our cap this year in 2023. He's completely off the books, guys. There is no Zadarius Smith. I'm going to double check, but to the best of my knowledge, there is no Zadarius Smith. Yeah, when you look at dead cap, our only dead cap is Amari Rogers at $461,000, Kylan Hill at $39,000, and then it drops all the way down to $5,000 for the players that are left. So there is no dead cap on the 2023 salary cap at the moment, right? Other than once it's converted over and it's finalized, Adrian Amos, who would be $7.9 million against the cap. Remember me talking about Amos. The biggest mistake that Goody has made so far is not cutting ties with Adrian Amos because he hit that wall. 
It seems like he did. Now watch, there's a chance that they sign him back this year because I was looking at the safety market and I'm like, man, some of these guys are going to get franchise tagged. So we don't know exactly how that's going to play out. But again, the big talk was that Darius Smith has ruined this roster. He's not even on the cap this year, guys. He's It's already in the past. It's in history, you know, and that's what I was saying about guaranteed money and how much money, you know, well, but they still paid him that money. Yes, they did. But as a fan, I don't care what they pay the custodian. I don't care what they pay the, the, uh, the catering service that works the, the, uh, the legends level, you know, legends club level at Lambeau field. I don't care how much, Mark Murphy spins on dinner or his suits. Although I got to be honest, I look at some of his suits and I'm like, man, that ain't. That, I don't think he spent that much on it. But anyway, like I, I don't, I don't understand the fan that's so caught up in that. I don't. If that's the case, are you going to complain about the new video boards that are going in this offseason? We're going to throw that on the list. They shouldn't spend that money on those video boards. Come on, guys. The cap hit is what matters. The salary cap is what matters. And we've got to accept the fact that this is how the NFL is moving until this loophole is, is closed up. And I wouldn't be surprised if the owners try to close it. If I was an owner, I'd try to close it because it gets so out of hand, right? So those are the three things I wanted to hit on with the salary cap is base salary, signing bonus, and roster bonus. So what does that mean? The signing bonus, of course, like I said, you can't get out of that. The base salary and the roster bonus, what you can do, let me give you an example. 2024, right? Next year, David Bakhtiari, his base salary is $10.7 million. His signing bonus is $6 million. His roster bonus is $10 million, okay? So what's that mean? If he's cut from the team, you do not have to pay the base salary of ten point seven million or the roster bonus of $10 million. That frees up $20.7 million. Well, what are you on the hook for? You're still on the hook for a restructure bonus, and the signing bonus. The signing bonus is six million. The restructure bonus is five point five million, tallying up to eleven point five million dollars. That's your dead cap number. So his cap hit for twenty twenty four is thirty two point nine million. Which hint hint, we will never pay that. That is not going to be the cap number for David Bakhtiari. Put it in the books right now. If we were to cut him, the dead cap is eleven point five. Therefore, freeing up roughly twenty million dollars. Well, what's the $20 million coming from? The roster bonus, $10 million. The base salary of $10.7 million. So $20.7 million you can free up just like that with David Bakhtiari gone. Here's the problem with that. Granted, he's going to be another year older. David Bakhtiari is one of, if not the best left tackles. I think Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football right now. After watching some of the tape, it's like, my goodness. But still, one of the best, okay, regardless if he's the best, is it a position that's important? Absolutely. It's an elite position on offense. Only two two elite positions on offense, in my opinion, although center is really starting to creep up because when I look at these playoff teams, teams that have a lot of success on offense, they have a solid center on their offensive line. Success leaves clues, right? It's, these, these playoffs, and it's why I get so excited about the playoffs, it's a blueprint for how to win in the league right now. That could change next year, but the best information you got to go off of is right now. So David Bakhtiari and and uh, and Aaron Rodgers are the two players that are highest paid on the team, right? Uh, according to Cat Pitt and everything across the board, and they're at the two most important positions. So the Green Bay Packers agree with me in that regard, right? So why do I mention that? Because if we're only two point six million over the cap, and you're looking to extend Jordan Love, we're going to talk about Jordan Love's value in just a second. Here's what you can do to free up money for 2024. 
David Bakhtiari, you can free up, um, you know, like I said, $20.7 million, right? If you wanted to either cut him or restructure it, that doesn't mean you have to uh, convert all of the base salary and all the roster bonus to that. It just simply means you start with the base salary. Let's say we just want to do the base salary, right? Then you would take the base salary and convert it to signing bonus and then spread that signing bonus out over the life of the contract or tack on a few voidable years. Now, again, people, the salary cap tightwads right now are going, oh, my God, we're pushing more money out. The the very comment that you made about pushing money out with Zadarius Smith is no longer even a factor on the Green Bay Packers. He's gone. It's gone. They, they can no longer complain about that cap hit. It's not even on the books. It was money wasted. Okay, you can believe that. Well, they could have signed a free agent with that money. Could they have? If they could have signed a free agent with that money, now all of a sudden you're saying the money we did save you wanted to spend now. I thought it was the opposite. Like you can't you can't have it both ways, right? And, and I know I'm not talking to um, the majority of our listeners. It's just a few, and I'm, I'm trying not to be rude, but I don't know how else to say it to, to help explain to people that these people that are fear-mongering and, and doing this doom and gloom salary cap stuff on, on Twitter and you know other social media outlets, they're wasting your time. You know how I know that? Because I wasted my time for like five years. Sitting here to pretend like, oh, man, well, that's going to be bad against the cap. I don't like that. The goal is to fill the best roster, period. You know, I had a guy on on Twitter that's been arguing over and over and over about Aaron Rodgers. He came over today and said, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers doesn't give us a better chance to win than love. I'm just saying it's time to move on. What does that mean? It's the most important position on the football field. And now you're saying he gives us the best chance to win over the other option. But no, 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 no. We, you know, I I want a football team that's going to compete at the highest level. And again, if Aaron returns next year and he plays like he did this year with a healthy thumb, with healthy healthy rib cartilage, with a healthy knee, then I'm on board with you, man. It's time to move on. But if he wants to return, they gave him that stability and and that that financial security, he's going to be back on the team. But David Bakhtiari, $20.7 million you could free up right there. Bam, now all of a sudden we're $18 million in the positive and cap next year. Pretty wild how quickly that happened, right? Now, you can, you're probably not going to free up that much in cap if you just do a simple restructure, right? And, and let me get back to the restructure renegotiate. When you restructure, you're converting base salary and roster bonus to signing bonus and spreading it out over the course of the contract. That's called restructuring. Renegotiating is going to a player and going, bro, you've underperformed. We need some of that money back, right? And a player does not have to do it. When it gets to that point, they've now basically completely checked the player's ego. The ego now has a vendetta against the front office, and typically that's when it somebody gets put on the trading block or they get cut and release. So in this case, if they went to Bach and said, hey, man, we want you to renegotiate. You're not worth this money. And he uh, took offense to it. The Packers could cut him outright and pick up $20.7 million, $20 million in cap room. That's how that would work. Okay. So you can see how these contracts are structured where, yes, they're on the roster. Yes, there's a bowl. But I remember when they reported that contract live, man, it was like, holy cow, it reset the money. Absolutely it did. But this is why players hold out. This is why players don't want to play on a one-year deal with no um, security. Because if they do get hurt, 
they miss out on, on all that guaranteed money. It's why the guaranteed money becomes this carrot that you can dangle. Let's rewind back to earlier in the year. Remember when I was saying, man, I really wish they would re-sign Rudy Ford. You could go to him right now and say, hey, Rudy, let's put some money in your pocket. Let's give you some guaranteed money right now. All right? And he's looking up going, man, this might be my last shot of the contract. If I hit free agency, I bet on myself and nobody offers me anything, then I passed up on $3 million guaranteed. Right. It would have been a good move for the Packers would have been a good move for Rudy Ford. It's a win win situation. That's that risk reward. You're seeing it with Lamar Jackson right now, which that thing is getting really out of hand, really out of hand. Um, I mean, he basically didn't travel with the team um, and uh, he's saying that he that he's still hurt. The vibe I get is he's not as hurt as he's letting on. But this was the, the price you pay when you don't pay your quarterback, your franchise player. They can do this. To me, this is an extension of a hold-in. I don't know all the situation. I may be completely wrong there, but on the surface, it feels like a hold-in. Like He's like, okay, man, you wouldn't give me my security. I already said earlier in the year, don't expect me to play with the reckless abandon I have in the past if you don't, you're not willing to commit to me. You want me to put my body on the line, but you don't want to commit to me long-term. Okay, you're going to get a different quarterback then. And you've seen it. The scrambling stopped. Not stopped, but it slowed way down. Why, does, why do the Green Bay Packers not have to deal with that? because they paid the most important position, and that's quarterback, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Now, they did it in a creative way that if he retires, they basically said, all right, man, you want three years? Here's your three years. And when you retire, they're going to recoup a bunch of that money. Their salary cap's going to go back. Let's say Aaron Rodgers retires this year, right? Then in 2024, uh, you're going to have his cap hit of $40.7 million, which is still nowhere near the top of the league, nowhere near it, is going to actually just about cut in half, if I remember correctly. I think there was like a $24 million cap penalty. So you're at least freeing up $16 million there. So if Aaron Rodgers comes back this year in 2023 and then he retires and some and we get that cap, uh, some of that cap back, that's going to pay for Jordan Love's contract extension alone. You understand where I'm going with that? So that's why it's important to kind of understand how this, this stuff works. Another one is Kenny Clark. $15.5 million in base salary. His roster bonus is only $750,000. Signing bonus is $5 million. Okay? So they could take Kenny Clark's base salary. Kenny Clark is primed for a restructure. He really, really is. Um, that base salary, there may even be a renegotiation there because Kenny did underperform this year. I love Kenny Clark. I think he's a stand-up guy. Um, I know the media loves him there in Green Bay. I think he won that award, uh, him and Russell Douglas, for players that are just really, really pleasant to work with in the locker room and, and with the local media, which is really cool. You you want that working relationship. I can't stand to hear beat reporters like try to get into people's personal life, and that's the stuff that bothers me. We're always talking about the Aaron Rodgers drama and the girlfriends and this and that. You've never heard Aaron Rodgers one time mention that he's dating somebody, have you? No, the media did it. The media brings it to light. And then they write articles. Here's the Aaron Rodgers drama again. Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go create some drama. I'm gonna go out here and dig some dirt up. I'm gonna put it in the public eye. And then we're gonna say Rodgers is a drama queen. Isn't that funny how that works? Like, you're the one who brung it up, and you I just don't understand it. So Kenny Clark, you could convert that 15.5 to roster bonus or to signing bonus, and that gives you some, some wiggle room there. If they cut him outright, they would free up $11 million, okay? Jair Alexander just signed that contract extension, right? Just signed the contract extension. $6.6 in salary, 
six million in signing bonus, eight point six in roster bonus. So you combine the roster or the uh, the roster bonus and the salary, and you're looking at what fourteen over fifteen million dollars in restructure possibilities. So um, his cap hits twenty two million. If you cut him out right, it's an eighteen million dollar cap hit. You're only freeing up four million dollars. And in no way, shape, or form, am I suggesting they should uh, cut Jair Alexander. Just showing you how the contract structure. Here's another one, Aaron Jones. This is a deal that's going to get re- at a minimum restructured, maybe renegotiated this year. Aaron Jones's base salary eleven point one million. Um, so you've got wiggle room there. What's crazy about Aaron Jones's contract uh, structure? is they did it in a way that 2023 was the biggest cap hit, right? So his cap hit actually goes back. In 2023, this year, this calendar year, Aaron Jones's cap hit is $20 million. In 2023, it dips back to $16 million. So they've taken these contracts and they've gone different routes. You know, some they've, they've front-loaded, some they back-loaded. In Aaron Jones's case, in the third of a four-year extension, they put the majority of the money on the third year, and then with uh, – you know, like uh, let's say uh, Elton Jenkins. Remember, I talked about how they actually moved some of the cap up to this past year in 2022 to kind of split the difference for 2024. That's why I'm not over here saying there's no way Aaron Jones won't be on this roster because just that contract extension alone with Elton Jenkins kind of balances out the Aaron Jones contract. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, that's kind of how you look at it. Now, let's talk about a cut outright. One that comes to mind for me is Preston Smith. Base salary, $5.7 million. Uh, roster bonus 6.2 million, right? Which means $11.9 million that they could shave off by just simply cutting Preston Smith. Just like any other player, I'm not suggesting they do that. I'm just saying that is an option. Let's say King Kingsley and Igbare comes out this year before Gary is healthy and he takes a step forward and he's grading out in the upper 70s on P, uh, PFF. And he actually looks like, wow, this is going to be a starting edge defender. Guess what you can do in 2024? You can go to Preston Smith with all the leverage in the world and say, listen, bud, here's the options. You rene- renegotiate or we got to cut you. You've lost your starting role now. We want you on the roster but at the right price, right? Or they may just cut him out right. These are the things you can do, guys. I I mean, I, just talking here right now, you're talking about $40, 50000000 million in cap relief that you can provide to yourself. through Some through restructure, some through cut outright, some through maybe David Bottiari retires, uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers retires. Right. So that's how you're going to re-sign Jordan Love if, and it's a big if, if the organization thinks and knows that Jordan Love is the quarterback of the future for the Green Bay Packers. I I personally, I'm not saying I'm correct here, okay? You can believe what you want, and I respect your opinion. I personally don't think you have to see someone in game to know exactly what you got. Over the course of one year, yeah, I could see that. Maybe two years, yeah, I can see that. But with Jordan Love being on the roster now three years, and he'll run in the off-season program, and even during the season, you guys remember when Aaron uh, nursing the injuries, he wasn't even practicing. They showed him sitting in the golf court and all that. Jordan Love was running the first team. They know what they have in Jordan Love, guys. They know what they have in Jordan Love. And we're about to find out what that is because there's two options, right? Um, again, let me before I wrap up 2024 here, Zadarius Smith is not even on the cap for 2023. He's definitely not on it for 2024. The only one that's on the cap for 2024 is Adrian Amos for $2.2 million, and he, as of right now, he's not on the roster, and Dean Lowry at 997000 Please stop fear-mongering and pretending like this roster is ruined with what they did with cash over cap. 
Now, if you restructure these other players, they will hit on this year and they will hit on the following year. Absolutely. But again, the big doom and gloomers was screaming at the top of their lungs. Zadarius Smith is going to ruin this roster. What they did, they completely mishandled this. Did they mishandle it? I agree with you. Ruin the roster? Not even close. So I want to point that out. Let's move on to Jordan Love, okay? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jordan Love, what would you re-sign him for, guys? There's two two schools of thought here. Um, is he your starting quarterback, right? Is he your starting quarterback? Do you think he is a starting caliber quarterback? Devondre Campbell came out and said absolutely he is from what we've seen in practice. Check that off the list. Brian Gutekinds came out and said absolutely we think he is. We think he's a starting caliber quarterback. Now, was he doing that to build up dra- to build up trade value, or was he doing that being completely honest? I personally don't see much BS in Goody. There's sometimes he answers questions, and I wish he would have BS. <laughs> I think that 90% of the time, Gudikins is trying to give an honest answer while not trying to create controversy, and that's very hard to do when you're in front of that microphone. Um, so I think – Let's move forward. Let's say that Jordan Love is the quarterback of the future. You know he's a starting caliber quarterback. This is the guy who's going to take over for Aaron Rodgers. What's he worth? First of all, 
I agreed with them drafting Jordan Love. I think I still do because I'm starting to lean towards, I think he's the next starting quarterback for the Packers, right? This is Aaron Rodgers all over again when, when they drafted Aaron while Brett was on the roster, right? So what happened when Aaron Rodgers got his contract extension? He got his contract extension and he took off, right? And I'm not suggesting Jordan Love can be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But what I am saying is at the time, Aaron Rodgers did not demand slash require paying top five quarterback money. He didn't make top 10 quarterback money. I don't even think he made top 20 quarterback money because he was unproven in game. This is one of the advantages to drafting a quarterback when you have a starting one. There's, a, there's several advantages. First of all, with the new structure, you get a backup quarterback for really cheap. Guys, you're, it's going to be very, very hard for you to go find a backup quarterback on the street with a cap hit of $3.9 million. It's almost impossible. If you go and say, I want a solid backup quarterback, you're going to pay anywhere from 5 to $10 million most of the time. So they've been saving money on the cap with Jordan Love being the backup. $2.5 million in 2020, $2.8 million in 2021, $3.3 in 2022, $3.9 in 2023. So he's on the roster for $3.9 million. Check this out. If Rodgers were to retire this year, right, then we free up, I think it was $15 million in cap, if I remember correctly, is what we would free up, 15 or $16 million in cap. And your starting quarterback is making $3.1, I'm sorry, $3.9 million on the cap this year. So if that does happen and Jordan comes out and lights it up, guess what's going to happen, fellas? that contract's going to go through the roof. Now, they would pick up the fifth-year option. If if Aaron retired right now and they think Jordan loves the guy, they would probably go ahead and pick up the fifth-year option, right? I was hoping they would they would negotiate and extend them because that money, just like we've proven with Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Preston Smith, all these guys on the roster, when you do an extension, you have maneuverability. You can convert base salary. You can convert um, roster bonuses and things like that to free up cap room as you move forward. With the fifth-year option, it is just going to be 100% guaranteed. Now, as J.J. pointed out later, if you or earlier, if you trade uh, Jordan Love, that contract does carry with him with that fifth-year option. I didn't realize that. Um, I hadn't really dug into it, but <clears throat> that kind of surprised me because I figured it would be – I guess with the franchise tag it, it carries too. I don't know. I just thought that maybe there would be – something there from the union. Of course, I don't know why I'm ever surprised that the union gets taken advantage of every time they negotiate with the NFL, but that's why the NFL is king, to be honest with you. So um, so you've got that, right? If you were to extend Jordan Love, what would he be worth? What would he be worth? And this is where it gets tough. You know, Jalen Hurts is playing on a second-round contract, I think, right now. When you go to NFL market value and sort by quarterback position at Spotrack, it lists out – free agency years, and what they think their value is, okay? Jalen Hurts, they are saying, is worth $44.2 million on average, okay? And that's a very broad term there. But on average, you took the entire contract and you divided it by the number of years, that's what it would average out to. I don't like looking at things completely like that, you know, and keeping it like black and white simply because there's so much maneuverability within the contract, just like I explained with – with roster bonuses and base salary being converted to signing bonus. But Jalen Hurts, $44 million. Does Jordan Love deserve to be paid more than Jalen Hurts? 
think we would all agree, no, Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate, right? How about Joe Burrow? $44 million is what they're saying his fair market value is. He doesn't deserve to be paid more than him, does he? How about Justin Herbert? $42.4 million. Just took his team to the playoffs, right? I think two years in a row now. Um, did he, he may have won Rookie of the Year. I can't remember. I know he was definitely in the running for it. Jordan Love definitely doesn't deserve to be paid more than him, right? Tom Brady, you think he deserves to be paid more than Tom Brady at $40.8 million? No. Lamar Jackson, $40.7 is his market value. Now, how about Tua Tungavailoa? I mean, before the concussions, you can't – to me, you can't factor in the concussions. That will never hold up and negotiate with any agent or player. You want to you get your organization really, really on the, uh, on the, the, the band list – from agencies and players across the league and give you, you know, give it a bad name and really probably tick off the rest of the owners. Let somebody uh, uh, go out there and, and get a bunch of concussions and all of a sudden treat them like a piece of meat and just pretend like, oh, well, no, you've got to take into consideration the concussions. Now they're putting their life on the line. That's not the way to look at it. So before he got the concussions, he was an MVP candidate. $39.7 million is what they're saying his market value is. No, Jordan Love does not deserve to be paid that. Geno Smith. He was an MVP candidate this year, right? His market value is 39.3. If you're telling me that Jordan Love can play at an MVP level, absolutely. I would jump on board, but I can't jump on board with that. Now we're getting into the realistic number. Daniel Jones, 25.5 million. Jordan Love, if you can guarantee me that he can take his team to the playoffs and do what Danny Dimes slash, I think they were calling him Vanilla Vanilla Vic, on Twitter last night, um, then, yeah, I would say that. But, no, he's not a proven starting quarterback at this point. Do you see now how the Packers have played this leverage perfectly? You've got a guy who sat behind a Hall of Fame, some would argue the greatest uh, thrower of the football quarterback of all time, right, Uh, from just raw talent standpoint. He's got to sit and study under him for that many years, for going on, you know, for three solid years and learn this system in and out. When I say this system, the system needs to adjust. I talked about that yesterday on the pod, right? But the terminology, everything that goes along with it, he he understands all of that, right? He's gotten to work with the receiving core and this offensive line with cadence checks and things like that for three off-seasons now. Well, two full off-seasons going into a third, right? Yeah, going into a third full off-season. That's a big advantage, Right. I mean, think of how much he's probably improved under Tom Clements this year and and what he did, which I think Tom Clements gets way more credit than Mike McCarthy does, and I I don't think that's accurate. I think Mike McCarthy was the big reason Aaron Rodgers was shaped into the quarterback he was, but I'm not trying to dog Tom Clements, and it's obvious that Aaron likes him. That's probably why Aaron likes him is because Tom tells him a little more of what he wants to hear rather than what he needs to hear, and it's probably why he and McCarthy got into shouting matches at times, right? But Daniel Jones, $25.5 million. I don't think love's there. Taylor Haneke. They're saying if Taylor Haneke hits the market, which he's set to do, he's a free agent this year, that his fair market value is 19.8 annually. Do you think that Jordan Love deserves more money than Taylor Haneke? I can see that argument. Not for Daniel Jones, but I could see it for Taylor Haneke. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. The next one is Andy Dalton at $6.8 million. Baker Mayfield at $6.5 million. Jacoby, uh, Jacoby Brissett, $5.4 million, and Sam Darnold at $5 million. So I think that true number is probably somewhere between Daniel Jones and Andy Dalton. I really do. 
if Daniel Jones is at 25 million and Andy Dalton is at, at let's just call it 7 million, what's in between that? I mean, what would that be? I don't even I don't have the calculator up. I don't think it would quite be, um, you know, uh, it's probably going to be somewhere around that Taylor Heineke number, 19.8 million. So whether you think it's closer to 17 million or you think it's closer to 25 million, let's say that that number is $20 million, right? Well, guess what the fifth year option number is going to be? It's right at $20 million. I think it's a little over 20 million, if I remember correctly, for Jordan Love and how everything tallies up. So you've got two options, both of which reach the same result. The only caveat is with the fifth-year option, there's no maneuverability for that cap hit. And if you go ahead and re-sign him, you've got all the maneuverability in the world underneath the cap. So the number I would put on Jordan Love is $20 million per annually, okay? And I would say if you think he's the guy, go sign him. Go try to sign him to a, a deal. You might be able to get him for $17 million annually, right? And you could structure it in a way where it's backloaded to where Aaron plays this year. Regardless, this doesn't even affect Aaron. That's what I was trying to explain to people. This, this cap hit won't even hit until 2024. And everyone's – I just showed you how you could free up the room in 2024 to have – you can even have Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love on the roster in 2024, although I don't think that will be the case. I think Aaron will be definitely gone by 2024 if he's not already gone and retires this year. Okay. And is trading a possibility? Absolutely. It's always a possibility. Highly unlikely, in my opinion. Somebody asked me the other day, how how sure are you that Aaron's coming back? I've been saying I'm 60% that he's that he's uh 60% that he's gonna retire, 40% that he's coming back. Now I'm at about 55-45. I think the more time that goes along, I think Aaron's probably planning to come back. That's what I see happening. Okay, that's my my guess right now. So I would say 55% chance that he's coming back now or uh, that he's retiring. So just moved a little bit. You know, what are the chances they trade Jordan Love? I honestly think it's about 10%. There's a chance, but I don't think they plan on trading him. Now, here's something to talk about, though. We had a great conversation in the Packernet uh, podcast chat, and uh, it was great. Um, you know, uh, Goose. Goose seems to think, hey, look, you're running it back with Rodgers if he comes back. I mean, he holds all the cards. Goose has come to the realization, not that he hadn't all along, but just, you know, chatting with people. Um, he's kind of been like, uh, you know, if Rodgers comes back, great. If not, no big deal. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But he's now he's starting to see that, okay, if Rodgers does come back, then why not just keep both of these guys on the roster, all right? Like, step right into that. What J.J. said in the chat – and it's cool because I understand both points, and I would be okay with either. He's saying, man, I'm starting to look at these these quarterbacks in this draft class. You know, we're picking 15th. What if one falls? Hey, if and here's my take on it. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers come back this year, right, healthy uh, with a roster that's a little revamped, right, put a couple additions here and there and and make a run at it. And then you've got Jordan Love, extend him and step right into the Jordan Love era if you think he's that starting quarterback. But they may be waiting before that decision until after the draft. Why do you say that? Because imagine this scenario. Imagine a scenario where one of these quarterbacks fall to the Packers and they have him graded out higher than Jordan Love. Well, Jordan Love ain't in this draft. They use a grade skill, okay? 
They use a grade scale, and every organization is a little bit different. I love hearing Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talk about the organizations they've scouted within and, and the scouting grade system they use. I've studied quite a bit on Bill Belichick's grading system that his dad created way back in the day. There's a, a lot of different viewpoints and the way that teams look at it differently. Let's say the Packers, for easy just easy math and easy conversation, they have a scale of 0 to 100. 100 being an absolutely perfect prospect, right? And that's how it works, right? Let's say that they put a grade on Jordan Love of, you know, coming out in that draft. Obviously, they liked him. They had a first-round talent on him. I think they had a first-round talent on him. I don't think he was top tier, but I think he was in the top tier of best available, and that's why they took him. Remember what Greg Cosell says. There's two different types of draft. There's the NFL draft, and then there's the NFL quarterback draft. Quarterbacks are valued way higher than any other position on the football field, right? Tackles are close, edge rushers are close, but quarterbacks are definitely rated higher, meaning you would you would go down a tier to get a player. They could have done that with Jordan Love. They could have had their top tier, let's say, is 95 to 100, right? And this is just for easy math. And then they have their second tier, which is 90 to 95, right? They could have had Jordan Love graded out in that 90 to 95. Let's say Jordan had a grade of 90. Right. And again, we don't know. They may use letter grades. They may use a, a coding in case something gets out and they don't want their said like NFL teams are very, very, um, very paranoid. Right. With this stuff. And rightfully so, man, it's a it's a cutthroat business. And it's you see the, the difference between the worst team in the league and the best team in the league is really, really close. They can win on any given Sunday. But when the Packers took him. He may have there may have been players that graded out higher than Jordan Love, but quarterback being such a commodity and what Greg Cosell is saying about two different drafts, they said, all right, we got to treat him as if he's a top tier. That's the most important position on the field. Let's take him. So let's say he graded out of the 90, right? And let's say that my boy Will Levis, I'm not suggesting this. I, I do it as a joke because people either love him or they hate him. Most people hate him, I think, as a prospect. Let's say he grades out as a 93 on their scale. Okay. So he graded out higher than Jordan Love. If you draft that quarterback, Will Levis, uh, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever it may be that might potentially fall, he grades out higher than Jordan Love. You get him on a rookie contract, and now you go from your future quarterback in Jordan Love being $20 million against the cap annually to a draft prospect that might be – I don't even know what the number might be – $12 million annually, you know, $9 million. I don't. I don't even know what that cap number is at the 15 pick right now. And, and who knows, the Packers may trade up. Significantly less, but he's unproven, he's untrained, you may have a bust, he doesn't know the system, he's not acclimated with the 1265 Lombardi, the coaches don't know exactly what he can do within the scheme. All these question marks emerge where you probably had the answer with Jordan Love. So that's the risk-reward. I'm not suggesting they should draft a rookie quarterback. I'm not suggesting they should extend Jordan Love in that situation. I'm just laying out all the options and kind of this bird's eye view of what may happen this offseason. Okay. So that's how I see it. And that's how I can come to the conclusion. I can see JJ's side. Man, I kind of agree with you, dude. You got a quarterback that's graded higher than Jordan, falls right in your lap. If he's graded, high, graded higher than Jordan with where they took Jordan, he's probably in their eyes a generational talent. Now, that could be right, that could be wrong. He being the draft prospect, not Jordan Love, which Jordan Love could be that generational talent. We don't know yet, right? Um, <clears throat> I think the Packers have got a pretty good idea, and they're not bucking. 
they're kind of like, man, we got a four-time MVP, Super Bowl champion quarterback at the helm, and we got the next starting quarterback sitting right here. Why, why are we in a rush, <laughs> right? But let's say that did happen. Now you trade Jordan Love, highly unlikely. But if that player falls in your lap, you trade him, you tell Aaron, listen, buddy, we want you for two more years. We want you through 2024, right? That was the original commitment. And then you trade Jordan Love and recoup some kind of <clears throat> draft stock, right, or draft uh, capital. What's he worth? I don't know, man. Uh, first of all, players worth what what someone's willing to spend on them, both in draft capital and salary cap, right? That's the way I see everything in life. I always crack up. I always use the real estate analogy. There's so many people that my house is worth more than that. What'd you get offered? That's what your house is worth. <laughs> like unless you're using monopoly money, but you uh, you're thinking a little too highly of your property. You know, I've I've experienced that. I've had rental property in the past. And it's like, man, at the time, I wanted to sell that condo. All right, let's get rid of it. What? It's worth more than that? Okay, show me. Ah, crap, man. There's nobody out here willing to pay that. I guess it ain't worth that. And then when the housing market re-boomed re and everybody was trying to come to Tennessee as they were Florida and Texas for obvious reasons in my eyes, but we're not going to get into all that, <laughs> um, boom, it, it skyrocketed. You know, we ended up making, I think it was $28,000 more than our highest offer before everything went haywire in some of these big cities and different states. And people started literally flocking to the state of Tennessee, um, right? Because cost of living was low with our, our uh, you know, local politics and all that stuff and how we do things financially, um, you know, taxes, things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a, t a player is only worth, what someone's willing to spend on him, right? So that is what would drive the cost for Jordan. Now, when would Jordan have the most trade value? If they, let's say they trade up to pick 10 and they take a quarterback, the Packers being they, right? His trade value is going to be through the roof over the, the next 30 days, if not there on draft night, right? Now, if they're doing trade offers, right? What's probably going to happen is teams are going to be reaching out to Jordan Love. Therefore, Jordan Love's camp will leak that because they want to put pressure on the Packers to get rid of him, right? The same happened with Aaron Rodgers, right? That's what the 49ers tried to do. And it's why Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan aren't the best of buddies anymore. It's why you've seen the cold handshake there a couple of years ago, right, in, in San Francisco when the Packers beat them. It's because Kyle Shanahan called Matt LaFleur and said, hey, man, is Aaron Rodgers on the, on the table? They laughed at him and said, no, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers. And then immediately the 49ers leaked that information out that we taught, we reached out to the Packers about, the, uh, about Aaron Rodgers. Then on draft night, what happens? They release uh, Adam Scheffner breaks the story and says, the Packers are trying to trade Aaron Rodgers. And everything went haywire, right? That was the 49ers putting pressure on the Packers to try to trade him. Now it's out of the bag. Aaron thinks you don't want him. I, I'm, that's Here comes the lamed up quarterback comments, all this stuff. They tried to pressure him into that, and Matt LaFleur was like, all right, dude, we're supposed to be friends, and you put my head on the chopping block like that? Nah, we're done. So just a little insider. These are the things that kind of go under the radar that people don't think about, and I definitely want to try to highlight <clears throat> on the show. So with all that being said, we are not going to get to talk about safeties and free agency. We're not going to get to talk about tight ends and free agency because we're out of time. I do want to hit on one thing before we get out of here. But I, I, first of all, I hope you guys enjoyed that breakdown of the salary cap because I think it's really important, man. I really do. Like, uh, you know, while I was doing the research for this, right, 
and trying to determine, okay, what's, what's here, what's there. Um, you know, who, who's, who's someone that we could restructure. I learned a lot. I really did read several articles of people breaking it down. You know, you guys know the Kenny Clark article that I read on the last podcast about I, all I was simply trying to do was what date did these restructures take place? So we can put together a blueprint of when to expect this stuff to happen, right? Is it February? Is it March? When's it happen? And then by the time I finished the entire article from PackersWire, PackersWire.com, I came away with a bunch of information I did I otherwise would not have had, which is really, really cool. So we're going to wrap it up with this. I'm going to share, share the audio, the screen, whatever here, so you guys can hear the sound on this. But this is, um, this is a tweet, first of all, that Mike Wall put out this morning said, it's not just the incredible personnel with the 49ers. It's the speed they move pre-snap. Seahawks can't tell if they are coming or going. Irvin worried about getting cracked. Instead, gets double inside out. Okay. Why am I mentioning this? If you if you guys go to Twitter, I retweeted it. You'll see the video he tweeted. It's the box cam behind the offense, and it shows this play. On yesterday's pod, this is the exact play I was talking about. When I was going, we need a tight end. We need a higher caliber fullback slash H-back than Josiah DeGuara. Unless Josiah DeGuara is going to take a huge step and start playing at use checks level. This is the play I was talking about. This is one of those plays where it's 21 personnel, two running backs. You've got Christian McCaffrey and you've got Kyle Juszczyk, who's a fullback, right? Juszczyk will run the ball too. Juszczyk will catch the ball. Juszczyk does everything. Like there's been in the past, they've handed that thing off on a fullback dive and he would rumble up the middle for, you know. Now, some people would say, well, we run 21 personnel too. We do it with A.J. Dillon. We do it with Aaron Jones out of the pony package. Guys, I was as excited about the pony package as anybody. You can go back and listen to my podcast. The pony package flopped this year. <laughs> teams were not surprised at all. When they ran the pony package in this game, the 49ers got stuffed. So teams have caught on to that. So here's something else too. It's a 21 personnel but it could also be considered a 31 personnel because you got Debo Samuel on the field too. You know, Debo can line up in the backfield. I talked about another play where it was an eye formation where you had Juszczyk and Debo in the backfield and you had Christian McCaffrey out wide. Now all of a sudden they're in their base and they're looking at going, this is actually a 31. What the crap are we going to do? And then they hammer a slant to Christian McCaffrey. Creativity. We have got to have that schematically. We have got to shift from the McVay system to the Kyle Shanahan system. They're all within the same vein, but we've been running the McVeigh style, and we need to really, really lean into that 49ers style of offense. But anyway, this play, 21 personnel, but they come out in a gun. That's right. You heard me. They're running out of a gun set. How many times have you heard people covering the Packers this year complain, I'm so sick and tired of running out of the shotgun? Well, here the 49ers are doing it. It was a huge play. Why did it work? Because the people on the field, DeGuara is not use checked, and Bob Tunyon darn sure isn't uh, Kittle. Okay. So we have got to stop trying to compare these two. All right. So what Mike Wall is talking about, they come out in a gun set, right? They, they've got a sidecar right. They're in a balanced look. What's crazy is they've got the H back, the fullback, use check is actually flexed out. So he's in the slot, which pulls the linebacker out wide. Okay. So why is that important? Kittle's on the other side. You can really tell that they're shading the defense to Kittle's side. They do a last second pre-snap motion. And when they do this pre-snap motion, Kittle sprints across, 
First of all, check started out in a pony package. He shifts out and flexes. That pulls the linebacker out. Then you go with a pre-snap motion. Kittle sprints across the field before he clears the center, going from right to left with the camera behind the offense. That This whole offensive line is going, that's right, shotgun zone run left. And as they peel in, check completely, he, he sells the linebacker that's over him like he's going to block him. Then he cracks back in. Next thing you know, that backer has Trent Williams on him. The guard blocks down, and you've got Kittle as a just a complete full sprint blocker, lead blocker for Christian McCaffrey, guys. The crack back hits the backer, didn't even see it coming. That's what Mike Wall is talking about. Um, you've got Trent Williams gets out on the edge, completely annihilates the linebacker. You got George Kittle comes out, secures the the backside pursuit with the corner. The corner is literally on his heels, one step, one full step back, hands out, waiting for Kittle to make contact with him. Like, oh crap! And Christian McCaffrey has got a hole to run through that you could drive a freaking truck through. I mean, it's a beautiful play. Ayuk blocking downfield. This is the type of stuff the Niners do that the Packers have done at times. But the majority of what they lean on are the 12 looks without all this motion, which is the McVay look. McVay did this type of stuff when he had Ty Gurley and they went to the Super Bowl the first time. And then he bent back around. You guys notice these are like two two ships passing in the night. Remember back, the 49ers, right? And you had the Rams. At that time, the Rams went to the Super Bowl, right? And they got beat by the Patriots. Kind of a big collapse there, right? When they came out of that Super Bowl over the next several years, what did they do? They shifted to 11 personnel more, and the 49ers went to 21. What happened? As they passed each other, intersecting here over the years, the Rams climbed the mountain, bang, they win the Super Bowl, and the 49ers hit this rut. And then what happens this year? The the Rams, the Packers, the Bears now, who obviously they got Getsy. The Broncos completely flop. The Broncos were running McVay's system. The Packers were running McVay's system. McVay was running McVay's system, right? The Bears started to run McVay's system and said, this crap ain't going to work because our quarterback couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a mop, and they shift to a quarterback-heavy run. And then what happens to the 49ers? Bang. They've got the number four offense in the league in PPP. The NFL is cyclical. These are two ships passing in the night, and right now it's the 49ers' time. Here's the question. If you jump to the 49ers' scheme, you got to be all in to make this work. If you try to go one foot in, one foot out, if you try to, well, you know, Rodgers likes to run the McCarthy kind of branch of the offense, and I want to stick with Mavays, but these guys over here are having a ton of success with Shanahan's true offense. you got to put your ego to the side, man. You can't feed your ego and your family at the same time. So I love that Mike Wall pointed that out because I've mentioned on the show, and I'm going to play a soundbite real quick, and I thought this was really, really cool. Again, his tweet, it's not just the incredible personnel, meaning the 21, actually a 31 look, when you consider Debo as a running back as well. Um, It's the speed they move pre-snap. No hesitation, quick snap. The defense doesn't have any time to react. How many times have you seen us come to the line? Well, let's wait and let's run it down here. Okay, I like that. I don't like that. Guys, that is on LaFleur. That's not on Rodgers. Either LaFleur's the head coach or he isn't. Okay? We know LaFleur's calling the plays, but you, you, at some point or another, the guy at the top has got to take some responsibility instead of just everybody else blaming one or two people. Joe Barry sure got plenty of ridic- ridicule, right? And I, it's funny. 
On the offensive side of the ball, I watch the tape. I see the schematics, and I don't go, this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. I go, what the hell are they trying to do on offense? This doesn't make any sense. You know, Ryan watched the Lions game. He came up with a thing. What are they? I, this doesn't – I see what Clayton's saying now. This is a jumbled-up mess. Yeah, absolutely it is. Okay. Now, on defense, you've got defenders missing tackles, right, and blowing assignments, and it's fire the D.C. On offense, this is all Aaron Rodgers' fault. I'm going, is anybody watching this tape, or are we just choosing to hate on certain people? It's easy to make Barry the scapegoat because our defense is absolutely loaded with talent. It's easy to make Rodgers the scapegoat because he decided not to get a vaccine. <laughs> like, Greg Cosell, guys, if you see it, you got to say it. This is what I'm seeing on tape. This is what the heck I'm saying, okay? Um, so that was his tweet. I want to go back to when we had him on the show and then we're out of here, okay? And I thought this was really cool. Yesterday on the podcast, I talked about Kittle and the body control, just how good he and Juszczyk are at setting up blocks, not just not just being in the right spot, but setting the block up like Juszczyk made that play go because what Juszczyk did was he convinced the backer that flexed out on him, first of all, if they hadn't had the wavos to flex him out wide like that in the slot, then that backer would not be that far out of the box, right? And then when the ball is snapped, he sells the backer on, I'm going to block you, and then he cracks back in and hits the inside linebacker, right? what would now be considered the sandbacker, although they're still shifted as if it's the wheelbacker. What you have is the pre-snap motion, the quick snap. You now have the hat count on that side. You've got the momentum. You've got every advantage possible in the running game you now have. And it was all schemed up by Kyle Shanahan. It had nothing to do with Brock Purdy. Just like 90% of this has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. You're either the head coach or you're not. If you're the head coach, it's your job, especially since, like Mike Wall said, he's supposed to be a schematic coach. He's definitely not a developmental coach. We broke that down yesterday with the draft picks and how many we've missed on. This talent is either not getting developed or Goody all of a sudden has forgotten how to draft. That was the point I was trying to make. I don't know if I got that across or not. That was the point I was trying to make. So, what made this play go was everything that Mike Wall said when we had him on the podcast. The question I asked him was real simple. I said, Mike, what do you think, man? I'm a fan. I'm a Packer fan with a podcast. As a fan, what do you think is maybe one – it doesn't have to be the top thing, but what's one thing that you think us fans overlook in the game that we truly don't understand? Because the goal here is to learn from this guy. He played you know, a decade in the NFL, and he's a Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman. Here was his answer. You know, we're the best blocking coaches out or whatever it is. All of them are kind of – if you think of like tackling, you think of like pre-confrontation and post-confrontation. So how you get to confrontation determines the terms of confrontation. I don't think a lot of people understand how important that is, right? So we talk about, well, we got a shoulder tackle, we got we got a punch and we got to do all this stuff. But how you get to your spot under control, how you get to confrontation under control, that determines everything. That's like I did. I did. I did a um, when I was working for the Dolphins as a skill development specialist. I did a breakdown for two years worth of film on tackling and blocking. Like eighty-five percent of the outcome is determined by how you get to your spot, and nobody even talks about it. So that's probably the biggest thing. Is and that's right. You know, eighty percent of the outcome determines how you get to your spot. And here we are going in the draft season, guys, and we will fall in love with prospects over RAS score you know, relative athletic score and 40 combines, whether it's bench press and 40 time and shuttle and all these things. And Malik Willis and Zach Wilson throwing in gym shorts across their body off platform. We'll fall in love with all these things. 
And the true thing that you should be watching is the tape. That's exactly what he's talking about. You can't pick this up at a combine, guys. You've seen some of the most fluid athletes at offensive line, fullback, tight end, go through the go through the uh, NFL combine and come away and go, wow, that's the one. And then you put them on the field, and what happens? They're off balance. They're swimming in the grass. They, they, they never have leverage on their blocks. The only way to determine that is through the tape. It's one of the reasons why I like PFF, and it's ironic because Mike Wallace backhanded PFF on this exact podcast, but I just love I love grabbing all these all this insight, all these opinions from everyone, former players, media members, other fans, uh, former, you know, just whatever, and putting all of it in this database and just kind of mulling it over and going, what, what are you actually looking for? To me, everything comes back to the tape. I'm going to tell you one, Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton last year, I had him number two on my draft board, and people laughed hysterically. I mean, did you see his 40 time? Are you serious? Ain't no way he's worth the, the number two pick. Yeah, you seen him last night, man. I know the Ravens lost, but that dude has been a baller this year. I think he's grading out as like he's at a top five safety in the league this year. Imagine if the Packers had uh, – I can't remember exactly where he was taking him. Imagine if they – I know he dropped significantly. Um, I think he I think he was taken before them, but imagine if they'd hopped up a little bit and Kyle Hamilton would have been our starting safety this year. That would be a whole different outcome. Many games. Many, many games. And you would not be looking up right now going, crap, we got to get a safety, and there's a limited market, you know. Um, you know, that's the, the price you pay. But why why did we why did teams not go with Kyle Hamilton, but they went with, you know, why did the Packers go with Quay Walker? It wasn't because the tape, it wasn't because the, you know, what he put on film. It was all that athleticism, right? And we've seen all year long. He's played out of place at times. Tackling machine, very violent. Love the dude. Hope he hope he pans out. Think he still can, right? But when you look at Kyle Hamilton playing for the Ravens, man, what is it? Why does he look like a veteran safety? Because he played like a veteran safety his entire time at Notre Dame. And it's not just because I'm a Golden Domer fan. You could say that about players all across the league. The tape is what matters the most. That's what matters the most. So we're going to get into this other stuff at a later time. Uh, sorry the time got away from me. Really appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Again, we just want to put a pod out because uh, Ryan has some stuff to take care of. want to get you guys some extra content. So thank you so much for making us a part of your Monday slash Tuesday afternoon. If you're not getting to this till Tuesday, um, it will drop around noon central time here on Monday. So um, if you guys are hearing my voice, you already know that. So I don't even know why I mentioned that, but that's just the, the dumb redneck in me. So hope everybody has a great day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back, go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.